to see you. I, I wanted know. to ask um were you the one that was talk telling me telling me that you know you can lose your voice when you get stressed out like from anxiety like you can actually lose your voice it wasn't me but yeah you can i don't i don't think it was me but yeah you can totally do that why do you feel stressed are you nervous meeting me no because i got one of the small group leaders i talked to lost her voice and she didn't she wasn't sick or she wasn't she didn't go to a concert Mm. she wasn't screaming or anything like that Mm -hmm. but she says that she said that sometimes when she gets stressed or anxiety that happens yeah 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 i don't know i don't know that much about it but i could like put them in touch with with somebody who does that kind of thing yeah it could be like um could be one of those stealth infections that just shows up when you're stressed, you know, like when you get the the sores and stuff like yeah. that. Or, yeah, it could be just emotional, too. But, yeah, happens all the time. That's why, like, we get this affective block, too. Like, you're like, wait, I, I speak very well this language. Can't sentence right now. And, like, it's just because you're nervous, you know, meeting somebody or your boss. Like, <laughs> that happens to me so many times, like, when I go on podcasts. <laughs> That's really funny hearing from you. That's very like encouraging. So yeah, 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 yeah. Or you're like, I'm. I feel like I had too much coffee, but I haven't had any coffee, so it must be that. Yeah, must be that. <laughs> Can't language right now. Yes. Awesome. So, so today I wanted to talk to Sun about his experience with language and identity and authenticity and voice and all of those things because you're you're very well known and yet you still I think struggle with some of the same things that we do either in our first language or in our second language. So first of all, can you tell people, you know, who who you are maybe and what you do and we can talk a little bit about how we know each other as well. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for having me first of all, Bianca. Uh, thank you for coming. Uh I've, I've known you for a while. I guess uh You've, um, you found me through Hadar. I know that you did this podcast, not this podcast, but you did a podcast episode with um, Hadar a couple of years ago. And that's actually oh, how yeah. I heard about you. Originally, I was house sitting about two years ago in um, this place called Puerto Vallarta. Have you heard of it? Yeah. It's a beach town. Yeah. So yeah. beautiful house overlooking the ocean. That's where all the yachts are. All, like, yeah, tons of yachts. <laughs> yeah. I lived on my friend's house was on top of the hill. Just gorgeous. And but it was really hot in the summertime. So I just remember I was going down to town to do something or go to a coffee shop. And I remember I was listening to podcasts. I like to listen to podcasts when I walk. And I was listening to Hadar's podcast because I know her from when she used to have a teacher's group, right, for people who are teaching this kind of thing. And so I I knew her, but she closed down the group. But before that, I was listening to her podcast and, and I heard you and I was like, oh, this sounds like the kind of person that I would like to know more about. Then I started following you on Facebook. And as soon as you opened up Night Owls, I think I signed up. So that's uh, also where you. I got to actually know you a little bit better. So maybe you want to talk about like, yeah, what, what you do. Yeah, I love um, I love the way you told that story. You're a natural <laughs> storyteller. <laughs> and speaking of stories, that's what I teach, storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, And that's what our community is all about, Night Owl Nation. And... Yeah, and I guess with Hadar, the thing that we talked about a lot, which also I guess a lot of our members, native English speakers, mm-hmm. <laughs> deal with, is like just that confidence, um, you know, confidence of like showing up or speaking up and speaking their truth, mm-hmm. just being themselves, mm-hmm. whether like you know in person or in, you know on camera or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of like the main topic that we talked about there. Uh, but yeah, what I do is I teach storytelling in, in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody needs to be better storytellers. 
basically, right? Like you see, you see a good movie, you see um, a good animated short that that tells a great story in like five minutes or less. And I think we all have this yearning to do that better, right? Like we all have life experiences. Most of us have a ton in there that even if we don't want to share it with a huge audience, maybe we want to tell the story back to ourselves better or figure out why this thing is important to me. You know, so so there's definitely a need for storytelling. What made you decide, I've been curious to ask you, what made you decide to start Night Owls, right? Because you were doing okay. you were doing something and storytelling was a part of it, but when did you decide to make it a group thing? And what made you do that? That's a long story. So my my original background is I have an agency in New York City. Um and we work with um I mean we used to work with a lot of like big brands like American Red Cross, Spotify, Columbia University. But we, about six years ago, our first personal brand client was Gabby Bernstein. I don't know if you know her. But, and then we just got a string of like personal brand clients. So we kind of specialize in personal branding. What I realized is the power of a personal brand. I think the future of branding is personal brands. Like mm -hmm. people are gonna connect with you as a human and then they're gonna buy from you and stuff like that. And like Kylie Jenner is like the perfect example, right? She became the youngest billionaire just by starting a cosmetic line, mm -hmm. even though she has no business experience or anything like that. It's just all from her personal brand, right? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to kind of make content. And when I started putting out content on Instagram, everybody kept saying, oh, son, you're such a great storyteller. Can you teach me storytelling? <laughs> Up until that point, I've never, ever thought of myself as a storyteller mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. um, anything like that. And then, like, Domestic guy reached out to me and wanted me to do a course on storytelling. So it, it's not that I call myself a storyteller. <laughs> it's that people ask me for it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I want to teach storytelling. Mm -hmm. But what happened was um, when I first started, it wasn't like... I had a plan to like, okay, this is what I'm going to create. Like it, it started very casually. Like I was like recording videos, of me making carousels and yeah. I was recording videos of just like behind the scenes of stuff mm. and people loved it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, I, I'm going to charge, <laughs> I'm going to charge $5 a month to mm -hmm. uh, give them like behind the scene of what I do every day. And like uh -huh. people signed up. I think that's when I joined too. I was like, oh yeah, I need more carousels. And I'm like, wait, yeah. we're, we're storytelling even better <laughs> because I had already taken <laughs> yeah. your storytelling class. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, and then we, we had added in like Sunday Zoom sessions after mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And then we we're like, oh, let's actually have a platform where people can sign up and, you know, talk. And then, and it just evolved over the last year to mm -hmm. this community where we get together and we practice storytelling like every week. It grew really quickly too. I feel like suddenly, I think I did the first Wednesday workshop and then there was suddenly there was Wednesdays and Mondays and Sundays and replays and small groups and group leaders. And now like there's just this whole like yeah. thing now that, that really exploded because people have this need and you're filling this need that they didn't even know they had, right? I feel like, I feel like especially now that now that it is more focused on storytelling and people know that going into it, it's not just like, when I joined, I was I was like, oh, I really like what he's doing. I need more help, and I don't like I don't like these hundred dollar a month clubs where like you're just watching replays, you know, and and you're not doing anything with anybody, and it's just it didn't serve the need. I don't have a problem paying hundred dollars a month for something, but the point was like this this is not scratching the itch that I think that exists out there. I do the same thing 
with my group that I have, I call it the Accent Feedback Club. Mm-hmm. You can find whatever you want online, right? You can find all the information you need. You don't need me. But I think people want the connection and they want that personalization and they want to know that there's other people like them in the same yeah. boat, you know? Yeah, I I was actually talking to somebody about that the other day. And, you know, let's say your, your native language is Korean versus Spanish, right? Like what you struggle with in learning English is actually going to be different. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like, I think, why I did this whole practicing thing, because what usually happens is you watch some online course on storytelling or online course on copywriting, and then you try to apply mm. or even like Photoshop, right? And then you try to work on your own project and you're like, mm-hmm. you get stuck and you're like, yeah. oh, I have a question. Like, how do I make this work for me? Right? Completely. But then there's nobody to ask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. just kind of like give up, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I think it's so good to be in a community where you can actually ask another human being who's, mm-hmm. who's like a little bit further ahead of you. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then get that answer. Yeah, yeah and, th- and that sometimes doesn't happen in language groups because people have this, I don't know, prejudice, I guess, about, oh, I don't want to be in a Spanish class with these people because they're below me and I'm not going to learn anything from them. Mm. Well, you get what you give and you get out what you put into it, right? If I did that, I would never grow, you know, in a way. If you're only always looking for people better than you. And also, I think you get a lot out of contributing. Maybe I can't do the grammar structure, but I have this story to tell that people enjoy. You're still giving back to the group. And I think that is something that people forget, you know, yeah. at least at the beginning. And I also learned the most when I teach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I think I learned the most in Night Owl Nation. <laughs> I think I learned more than anyone else. <laughs> like, I've seen how you've gotten so much better at structuring things, at like yeah. being on point and how how things run more smoothly for you now. It seems to be easier for you, you know, coming from a yeah. teaching background. Like, here's like, a good oh. example. Uh-huh. You see how, like, one of the things I always say now is, like, you don't have a story unless there's an old you versus new you. Right, right. Like, that thing, I didn't realize that until I saw so many people make mistakes. I'm like, why is this, why is this mm. story bad? Why is this? And then I, mm-hmm. the one pattern I saw is, like, oh, everybody's telling story where there's no, no transformation. Right. There's no old you versus new you. So through teaching is how I learned these concepts. You don't know something unless you can teach it, right? And the, <laughs> so you think you know because <laughs> you've learned it at some point, but then you don't really know because you don't run into those challenges and you can't step back. And like what you just described, let's say a, a big data set and you can look back and you can see those patterns emerging, whereas the people in it, right, they don't even know that that's necessary, right? And for you, yeah, you yeah. might not even think about it. Even if you know it, you might not even think like, oh, I have, to, I have to actually tell people this, you know? It's to you, maybe it's really basic. And yeah. to them, they don't even know what they don't know, yeah. you know? So it's it's yeah. a whole different starting point. And another thing exactly. that I like about group group learning and collective classes is um, is, the, is the people that you meet that you would never come across, you know? Because you were, you were talking about... Um, uh, asking somebody, right? Having somebody to ask. And earlier we were talking about the recording software that I use. And um, and the, the the reason that I like it is because they have open office hours every Friday, right? They're always doing lives on YouTube. And like, and and you think, you think, oh, that guy's so good. He's never going to talk to me. No, no. They just directly, they message you back instantly. And, you know, I, I feel so stupid because I'm not good at it. And they're, they're like, they're really patient. And you might not think that these people who know so much more than you are, are actually really down to earth. And so to me, that's been great. And the other thing, since we're on the subject, is that, you know, um, Felipe from our, from our group, no. from Nadal's? The magician? 
<laughs> yeah, magician. <laughs> Felipe that does the Zoom presentations. He and I recorded a podcast and he actually helped me with the editing software as well. That's how I first, you know, started talking to him. He kind of walked me through the beginning of that. But that's another thing where like, if you don't have the community of people to help you with things that are just complex or difficult, doesn't have to be technical, then having that resource, it makes you feel cared for and it makes you feel like like you matter and not, that you're not stupid <laughs> like, and, and that people are there to help. You know, yeah, so they're really accessible. Like. like one thing I noticed about our community is that um, most communities that I join in marketing world, <laughs> they're there to sell usually. Mm. Like, so they make themselves look like they're much better than they really are. Right. But then one thing I noticed about our community is Everybody in our community is way better than they make themselves look. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when I reach out to people, what happens is, like, I'll talk to them. Oh, you're actually really good at this. <laughs> like, I'm always, like, shocked. And when they teach Wednesday workshop and things like that, too, like, I'm, like, I'm always shocked. They're, like, wow. Like, we have some really talented people in our community. The quality of what they do is really amazing. And also, I feel like... The quality of the people that you that you attract, right? It's almost like you you deserve the people around you, right? And so, like when you're there, I like you that. you feel yeah you feel like you feel like oh this is this is where I need to be because these people are more like me, you know, in some way. Uh, yeah, everyone like, at not really night owl is like no BS, right? Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, they'll just tell you what you need to hear, yeah. and yeah, and, but in a kind way, I think too, and that's why I like the small groups that we have is because we get a chance to do um, not one-on-one, -on -one, right? But like four-on-one, five-on-one application, which you don't have that in other groups often, right? You don't have that in a, in a do-it-yourself kind of video course as well. You just don't have that. And, it, and also people are learning how to get better at giving feedback, I've found, right? Like a lot of people, they, they have something to say, but they don't know how to say it and they don't know what it's related to. So I've seen people get better also at like helping other people if you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I think uh, one of the one of the skills that are like very overlooked that mm -hmm. that are underrated is asking good questions. Oh my God, like, yes. A lot of people are so bad at asking questions. <laughs> yeah, there's this book. I don't have it here. I have it like digitally. It's called um, Ask One Question or Just One Question or Just Ask One Question. Have you read that one? No. Oh my God, it's amazing. It's like, how to kind of brainstorm questions and and review which questions are actually better questions than others and and kind of put them in a hierarchy and stuff like that because i found that when i was teaching like in schools people don't know how to ask questions and they just stick with who what when where why and how you know yeah. or they'll ask yes no questions and that's about it yeah. and it doesn't really further the yeah, conversation exactly, yeah. my original question was i didn't really catch if there was a very specific kind of turning point for you to be like I want to do this as a group. I want people, I want interaction. Like, this is what I want to start. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. So what happened was, so I don't know if you remember, but I disappeared for like a year from Instagram. <laughs> and I stopped posting and like, what, what happened was, I come from a marketing background. So a lot of my clients, I help them sell courses. We do the whole funnel and like, mm. you know, the free webinar mm -hmm. and nurture and all of that thing. And I was going to actually launch my own high ticket course on how to uh, how to grow Instagram mm -hmm. and what happened was as I was writing the sales page and things like that oh, you know this is gonna help you grow Instagram blah, 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 blah. 
I was like, wait a minute, like this is kind of a lie. Um, <laughs> because I know for a fact that 80% of the people that sign up, they're not actually going to do the things I tell them to do. They're not going to actually post every day. They're not mm-hmm. going to do like, they're not going to be vulnerable. They're not, they're not going to do any of that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so then what happened was I, I kind of went into this like crisis, mm-hmm. <laughs> this like <laughs> crisis where I'm like, is my entire life a lie? Like, cause <laughs> was my entire career about manipulating people to buy things that they don't need? Or mm-hmm. that's not gonna work that's mm-hmm. kind of so so this existential crisis is what made me like not mm-hmm. post for like a year and kind of go into this hole mm-hmm. where where i'm like like i'm, I'm like a fraud right oh, no, yeah. and then <laughs> both my mom and my sister are professors so i started talking to them and they kind of like taught me about how to teach and things like that mm-hmm. so one of the things that i realized is that the practice is what's missing it's not really the mm-hmm. information mm-hmm. But the act of practicing mm-hmm. is what's missing, is why most people don't see success. So that's why I wanted to create a community where people can practice together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how, like, I was like, okay, then I need to do more of a ongoing membership thing rather than just like a one-time course. Mm-hmm. So that's how it got started. And then mm-hmm. over time, you know, like, I, I, I just like... Yeah, figured it, out yeah. what what you needed, what what we needed, things like that. Yeah, I feel like yeah. now it's pretty pretty rock solid. And of course, things might change, but I knew there was something yeah. missing. I was like, hmm, <laughs> like, that's, a, that's a huge <laughs> jump. And nobody, nobody really does that, right? Most people are like, oh yeah, I'll make this course and you know, I'll set my price point and they'll go through the videos and everything's gonna be great, right? And I'm gonna help so many people. Well, the attrition rate on those courses is like, what, 10%? Like nobody finishes yeah. those. And yeah, so this is the actual way that people can commit to themselves, commit to a group, there's accountability there, right? There's a shared interest and, and like there's actually something you're doing, you know, that's making it better. I think also the reason why I changed to storytelling, because mm-hmm. first I wasn't going to teach marketing, Instagram, all of that. Mm. Like, but the reason why I changed to storytelling is because what I realized is that the reason why they can't grow Instagram is not like, cause they don't know the hashtag or they don't know that they should have a funnel and like, that's not <laughs> why, like. It's that they they don't they don't know how to actually tell good stories or they don't know how to make good content. Mm, that's <laughs> so the that's skill. I actually need to teach the core of storytelling first, mm-hmm. and then when I started teaching storytelling, I'm like, holy shit! Like I, <laughs> everyone sucks in storytelling. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't, and then that's when I started breaking down storytelling, and I just like double down on storytelling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's also like a life skill, I feel like. Long before I started doing what I do now, I, you know, I've had a lot of experiences in life and I always found that I was, I just sucked at conveying them. You know, I'd have all these stories and I like, I'd mess up the punchline and I would like explain the joke and, you know, I'd get things all mixed up and I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, it's a good story. It's really like, you just believe me. So couple that with now it's, it's helping me to help other people, I think, is to relay my story, help to relay other people's stories so we can see that we're all kind of like in this together. So I think it's been, for me, it's been really, really helpful. Like, like language is just a big part of being human. And I think you were talking about like different mistakes and how you, how you think in different languages and how you identify yourself as well, how everybody has like a certain voice or multiple voices. Like I use, I, this is my professional voice and this is my at home voice and this is my cuddling voice and we've got all these different you know things mixed up in us so 
maybe maybe you could talk a, like briefly about how how you feel maybe our personality fits with language and culture and some of those things and storytelling. Like if you were to think of a wow. Venn diagram of those, well, how do they fit together for you? Oh, I'm never, I haven't really thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, what I do know is that, okay, maybe I'll just riff and see what, what I did notice is that in Korea, you, you know, that like the different voice you use in office versus your friends or something mm. like that mm -hmm. is such like a huge difference. Like they literally sound like two different persons. Even grammatically, <laughs> right? You have, you have different grammars based on the, the respect that you show different yeah, people, yeah, yeah. Correct? Even, yeah yeah exactly that mm -hmm, too mm -hmm. that Let's... definitely amplifies it mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but uh, you know one thing i realized is that stories are like cross-cultural like I, I can tell a story that's spe very specific to me mm -hmm. and it really touches people that are like all different cultures all different religion all different you know mm -hmm. uh, language it's so weird and i guess one thing that i noticed is i think i tend to attract a lot of uh like international, like, like non-English native speakers, because a lot of the courses that I've seen on storytelling and things like that, they're very, they talk very like academia and they use like mm. more, more, like I try to use very, very simple words mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I try to talk like, you know, very, like I, everything I do, I try to um, make it like I'm a, you know, like at the level of like 12 year old. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but we were just talking about this. I think it was, God, it was this morning, actually, in my, my small group, because, you know, I'm in two small groups. So the, the Spanish one and then the English one. But oh, it, yeah. I think it was the English one today. Um, oh, God, what was I going to say? Man, I just forgot about, oh, this idea of, like, this universal thing between people, the storytelling that kind of binds us all together, right, since since the cave days. It's I, I, I said this today, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is what I was thinking at the time, this is what I said, so I don't know if, uh, if this is good or bad, but we were, they were, there was like, the, 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 it wasn't relatable, no, it was the Spanish group, it wasn't relatable, and, or it was, but we didn't know why, we couldn't figure out why, why is this like touching or not touching us, and, and I, I thought about it for a second, I was like, well, what is, what's the feeling here, like, what's the underlying feeling What's the emotion? Was it sadness? Was it bravery? Was it shame? You know, what, what was it here? And to me, I thought like, oh, I think that's, I think that's the heart of it is from what you're saying is like, it doesn't matter the culture, it doesn't matter the background. We all have these same feelings, even if we classify them differently, but we all have these same feelings and that's why we can use this as a connection. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm always surprised like wherever, whenever I'm traveling or something like that, like, I'm always so surprised how similar we are. <laughs> like, we think we're so different, but it's, I'm always surprised at like, oh, I guess at the end of the day, humans are humans. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, people are like, how can you live in Mexico? It's so exotic. It's so strange. I'm like, people do laundry. We have Walmart. It's like, like everyone has imposter syndrome. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter where you go, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Everyone has, like, anxiety. Everyone has childhood trauma. Everyone has those things. Like, so... It's, I think those things like really are cross-cultural mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, and I guess back to the whole like cross-cultural thing, I, mm -hmm. I guess I try to dumb everything down. I, I try to make everything as simple as possible because mm -hmm. I think the reason why people think that there's no uh, 
cross-culture is because they're speaking like a college professor here. So of course, like a non-native English speaker is going to hear that and they're not really going to be able to connect. But when you actually break down like that complexity into simple words, like everyone would get it actually. Magic, <laughs> so. magic. Yeah, I feel like, and I, I love vocabulary, right? I love using it. I love knowing the difference in the in the, the subtleties between words. Love it. Use it when I get a chance. Actually, um, one, one of your new members, her name is Della. She does a thing about reading and and speaking in English. And she's in my group too, because she wants to weave in like pronunciation and, and speaking and reading because, you know, the, the writing, the spelling in English is atrocious. So it's really difficult for people to read out loud. So we convinced her to join your group. Actually, I think it was Tabby and I. And um, so she's in the group now as well. And we were talking yesterday. Um, I had my teacher's meeting yesterday. And we were talking about how we both have this problem of writing a story with these like $5 words in them. You know, I'm pulling out all my Scrabble words because that's how I was taught to write in high school. You need this five paragraph essay and, you know, you've got you've to use words like henceforth and, and therefore, otherwise it's not good writing. And we both suffer from that. And now we decided that, like, if a fourth grader can't read it, it shouldn't be in your story. That's what we decided yesterday. Yeah. I think there's like a different time and place for different things. I, I, I agree with you. Like, for example, like if you look at the, the difference between the word envy and jealousy, right? Mm. Like they, they, they can be, you know, they can replace each other, but not really. Like if you really, really want to be specific. Mm -hmm, so. Mm -hmm. There, when I'm having a nuanced discussion in a podcast or I'm having like a important discussion with somebody like deep, mm -hmm. then obviously I'm going to try to be very specific as possible. But mm -hmm. when I know that this is going out to <laughs> on public and social media and things like that, like I have to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> a, nobody's probably going to scrutinize you except for jerks. And, and B, <laughs> the message is what's important. So it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. And the sim simpler, yeah. the better, usually. I think yeah. one mistake people make when they make content for social media is that they want a hundred percent of the people that watch it to get it. Mm. But but when you do that, like I I think it's actually important that okay, like you dummy it down and yeah, ninety percent of people will get it. Mm -hmm. But like they want hundred percent people to get a hundred percent of the content. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I don't think of it like that. When I say something, I know that people are going to get maybe 60% of it. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. So th mm -hmm. that's why I try to like keep it down to one lesson, one concept. Oh, yeah. I, I noticed that a lot of people when they watch a movie, they don't, they don't understand the whole movie. Like mm. a lot of times we'll go watch a movie and then afterwards we'll talk about it. It's like, oh, remember when that person did this and blah, blah, blah. They're like, oh, that, that's what that was about. <laughs> like <laughs> they still got the story, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like something like that. So. I don't expect everybody to understand everything I say. <laughs> mm, yeah, exactly. Because we're a where's the intrigue, right? <laughs> like, like if I just told you everything you need to know, you probably think I'm boring now. Yeah. But but also <laughs> I feel like to me, it's that you want to you want to say things that are for your people. And I don't want everyone to to like yeah. understand everything because that's not who I want to, to talk to, you know. Yeah. And it was funny because I used to um, I used to work. When I first started teaching English, I was living in Jordan and I was working for, well, first I worked for like Berlitz and then I worked for the U.S. Embassy because they, oh. they used to have schools. Every embassy had their own language school and then they like sold them off and there's only like a handful left in the world. And still in Jordan, in Amman, Jordan, there's still a school that's attached to the embassy, a language school. So I was working for the embassy, but I was teaching English. There were 
Brits there, Canadians, Americans, right, Jordanians who all worked there. And I will never forget, there was this woman who was also a teacher. And she thought she was, I think she thought she was insulting me, but it was the best compliment ever received. She said, you know what, Bianca, you're not everyone's cup of tea. <laughs> this is coming from a British lady. So the, the tea thing really hit me. But I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm really not. And that's, that's great. Thank you so much for telling me that. I often think of that. And that's what I think about our content too. It's like, it shouldn't be everybody's cup of tea. You know, it should be something a little bit specific, a little bit, a little bit different. Like you said, maybe not incomplete, but, but like dot, dot, dot. Yeah. The, it's a huge mistake to try to please everyone because mm. that's one. If you look at ChatGPT, right? If you mm -hmm. ask ChatGPT something, they're going to give you kind of a very data stats driven answer mm -hmm. that pleases everyone. Like, mm. so if you if you ask go to ask ChatGPT and, and you say is China bad for US like they're mm -hmm. not going to be like yes or no mm -hmm. right they're, mm -hmm. but they're going to mm -hmm. be like oh you know in this case blah 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 but uh, you know within context blah, 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 mm -hmm. and then they're going to give you all this long nuanced answer yeah and, and in the end it's very oh, diplomatic sometimes and it's like well yeah. and there's really no way to tell <laughs> you know, yeah. they, and then yeah. that's the thing that nobody wants to hear mm -hmm. right so I think what makes humans like what makes content good that it comes from a human versus ChatGPT mm. is that humans have an opinion. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. usually the opinion is based on their, their moral compass, right? Mm. So, so if you don't have an opinion, <laughs> yeah. like, and if you have an opinion, well, most likely what's going to happen is you're going to piss some people off who mm -hmm. disagree with your opinion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. If, yeah, if you're trying to please everyone, it's you're, pretty much going to end up with a very boring content. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You try to please everyone and you're not going to please anybody, especially yourself. And I think yeah. also the opposite can be true. Like we get really into our own groups and sometimes we get really isolated. And so you only get that one news outlet, you know, and you only read the same thing and, and you get really like closed up. And so, you know, you think you're the hero of your own little bubble, but actually we don't interact with other people who have different views than us. And so it just ends up like, polarizing everybody a little bit more. Other when side I can usually be see that when people are in echo chambers, mm. usually they don't like, yes, they're very strong opinionated. Mm. But when I see those people, usually it's not their own opinion. It's just mm. the opinion of the, that circle that they're like, they're just regurgitating the opinion of that circle. Mm. And it's not really coming from them. Because a lot of times when people have those kind of opinions and I start having a conversation with them, about their background and things like that, I, I I find out that actually they're they're not like that at all. Mm, <laughs> like their mm, their real opinion is actually very different than the the thing that they're saying or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and often just like I think we were talking earlier about you know being around uh, like minded people. I think the same can be true of language, right? And accents. Like so, you you pick up the accents of the people you're around, the who you spend the most time with, who you choose to spend the most time with, also your ideas end up kind of reflecting that too. I think a lot of people get caught up in their own group and they stop kind of thinking for themselves sometimes or they've stopped expressing their own ideas even if they're in there until they feel maybe maybe they don't feel safe in that environment to to express those contrary ideas and once they get out of that then it's easier to to express those. And I wanted to actually bring that idea up in terms of storytelling and the idea of feeling safe and you know expressing vulnerability and those kinds of things. So how do you see storytelling in relationship to to feeling vulnerable, to feeling brave, any of those any of those feelings? 
I guess, um, you know, um, one of the things I used to talk about a lot actually is authenticity. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times what happens is people try to be safe and, and they try to say the thing that's the most safe things, mm. but that just goes in one year and the other. Uh, what happens is when you're, when you say something that's authentic, like for example, let's say your boss makes a joke. Let's say we're in a meeting and, and boss makes a joke, right? And everybody's like, ha, 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 ha. they're fake laughing. <laughs> they know it's not funny, mm -hmm. <laughs> but they're just kind of fake laughing. And then all of a sudden I go, cool story, bro. Like I, I let's say I mock him yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for telling a stupid joke, right? Yes. What's going to happen is the rest of the group who kind of like went with the crowd and fake laughed politely is going to be like, oh, shit. I mm. wish I can be so free that I can speak my opinion. Like, mm -hmm. I, I wish I had the courage to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what inspires people, right? Mm. It's, it's kind of like the example I give like in Hunger Games when Katniss Everdeen volunteers. What, what that did was every because everybody felt that way. Like, but nobody yeah. was, had the courage to actually do it mm -hmm. until she did. And that's what got everybody else inspired. Be like, oh, I want to have that kind of courage. Mm -hmm. And that's what really authenticity does, I think. So I, I, I don't know, like, but it's, it's easier said than done, right? Like, yeah. let's yeah. say you're in a group of 100 people and 99 of them think this way. Mm -hmm. And you're the one who has to like, <laughs> you know, do so, it. Yeah. Yeah. I think on the on the on another another side of that is that like I'm always the first one to volunteer. Not I don't think because I'm brave, but I I'm terrified of the awkwardness of sitting there waiting for someone to raise their hand. And I'm like, fuck it, let's get this over with. <laughs> like no one is gonna remember the first person. You know, you'll remember the second person or the best person, but you never remember the first person. And I can't stand that awkward silence of nobody volunteering. So yeah, that's that's I don't think I'm brave. I think I'm just maybe more afraid of the silence. No, you are brave because um I mean that's the thing about bravery and courage is that if it's easy, that means you're not courage. <laughs> like <laughs> the reason why it's called courage is because it's hard, it's scary. Mm -hmm. And but then you, you do just it have anyways. to do it. Mm -hmm. So, but it's, I would actually say people remember the first person. Mm. And usually the first, I always say this, the first follower is the real leader. Because I don't know if you watch that TED talk where, you know, you, when, when you're doing something brand new, mm -hmm. like they call this person is a lone nut, right? Mm, mm -hmm, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. and the, the, the example that they give is like, um, there's a guy who's just like dancing like crazy by himself in, in, the, in the grass mm -hmm. and everybody's just watching him. And until another person comes and joins him next. And then once that happens, like another person came and because until that first person comes, you're just some crazy guy. <laughs> but then once that second person comes, mm -hmm. now you're a gr group and then like once, and then, that gets other people to join and at a certain point like it becomes a crowd mm -hmm. and that's how you start a movement mm -hmm. so that first without that first follower you'll never be able to start a movement mm -hmm. so and that's kind of like the the person that shares first that that raises their hand first <laughs> is is that first ah well now i'm gonna be more self-conscious and never volunteer for anything no i'm just kidding so <laughs> yes somebody somebody today sent me an email um, I send out a newsletter 
every week on Thursday. So she got the newsletter yesterday. She sent me an email. And I have this group I was telling you. So it's a, it's a feedback club. We're in a group. And everybody is literally there to make mistakes, right? So, for example, they'll say, um, they'll say uh, I went to bead instead of I went to bed, right? And so, and their job is to make mistakes. So either other people can catch it and be like, oh, I sound like that. Or, and hear it in themselves. Or if nobody catches it, then I'm there, you know, to, to, to catch them. So that's the whole point. And this woman sent me a message today saying like, oh, I would love to, I would love to join your group, but I'm, I'm just terrified. Like I just, I'm so terrified to, to make mistakes in front of other people. And I was having a hard time, like, saying what to respond, you know, I don't want to necessarily encourage her, but I wanted to validate how she felt. And I was like, you're right. It's fucking difficult. It's really difficult to, to know that that's going to happen and walk into that burning house anyways, you know, and do it anyways. So that, and that's all I could write back. Like I couldn't, I don't want to tell you what to do, but you're, you're really right. Like that, what you say is so true. And I told her, as you well know, I joined this, uh, Spanish speaking small group specifically to work on my Spanish because it's like intermediate and and I was terrified terrified and then you said you wanted to watch the videos and I was like yeah let's see about that <laughs> now you know how your students feel like absolutely <laughs> and I felt like that before you know and because I've in other languages you know I've, ha I've been there but this was the same the almost the exact same idea of having a group and me knowing that I'm going to make mistakes right psychologically what what a lot of like um bilingual people know that mm. like is you know when i first came to us and i i didn't speak english i, I was i was always you know consider myself a, you know like an english a second language mm -hmm. and when when you're like that you actually think that you're dumber than you really are mm. just because like you know what i mean like that environment of everybody speaking fluently and then mm -hmm. i'm the only like that actually makes me feel like i'm dumber even though i might not be mm -hmm. and i think there's something to that that that's that that makes you kind of shrink and like for most of my like life all the way up, even uh, until like when i was 25 i actually thought i was stupid mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah because you don't oh wait you already speak another language right most americans only speak one language and not even very well and then so you already speak another language okay it's not perfect but you're made to feel this shame for some reason by other people and you know you didn't come up with that somebody made you feel that way and yeah. it persisted and so a lot of people that i talk to yeah it's not about it's not about i want to sound like a native which is ridiculous because yeah. you know we're all we're all who we are and we all have different accents but but the idea that like you have this horrible feeling inside of you you don't feel like respected you might not feel heard you might feel invisible right there's there's always something in there and that's really yeah. what it's about usually yeah. for most people and Me if too, that happens every single day like yeah. when you're in a new country yeah you're literally going through that through that 24 7 every mm -hmm. single day right when mm -hmm. you're, like everywhere you go people are like talking to you like you're a baby <laughs> like yeah. like people talk slowly to you yeah. and like you yeah. know it's just over time you or know, loudly that, <laughs> i'm just yeah. gonna turn up the volume because that's what's what you need yeah <laughs> like i'm gonna understand it better now <laughs> right right right. yeah speak slowly but really loudly that's helpful thanks a lot <laughs> yeah so that's what happens like that i think that's what happened to me and i that's why i can understand why when i see like english as like, like non-native speakers like trying to make content or something like mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. like I, I i know where they're coming from yeah so. yeah 
Absolutely. It's extra it's a whole extra layer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's already a struggle with with imposter syndrome that many of us have with like maybe there's real difficulty with the language, you right? And that's a problem, but maybe maybe you just think it is or maybe you're worried about people's perceptions because it is true. There's just just tons shit tons of like language bias and prejudice and you know all the all these things that go with it. It's I'm not trying to say it's not there. It's really really there, but it adds this really thick layer for people that have, you know, an extra layer that they have to kind of surmount yeah. to do the same things. And that sucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's life, right? Like, because <laughs> I understand too, because like, you know, if I'm talking to a non-native speaker, I'm going to speak slowly for them also, mm-hmm. not because I'm trying to patronize them, yeah, but because I want them to understand, like, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm actually doing it for them. Like, you know, I'm, I'm but yeah. but then to that person it, it is gonna feel patronizing and like so there's nothing you can do about it. You know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah yeah you th- you think you're you think you're helping and and maybe you really are but there's like something else behind that. We'll just I also ask you. like before when you were talking about different cultures, what I realized is that different cultures have different level of like um, like status and how much you you should you care about your status and how you look. So for example. Koreans care a lot about how they look and mm. how, you know, like they don't, you know, they, they care mm. a lot about that. So, but then like when I meet Chinese people, Chinese people are less, they care a little bit less about um, mm-hmm. how people perceive them, right? Mm-hmm. So what I noticed when I was young, like Chinese kids were improving English way faster than Korean kids mm. just for speaking, not okay. when it comes to writing or reading, mm-hmm. but when it comes to speaking, like mm-hmm. Chinese kids were but becoming much more fluent much faster mm-hmm. because they they weren't shy or embarrassed about just saying it the wrong way mm. and they kept doing it whereas in koreans they don't want to look stupid so they mm. they always keep their mouth shut like they never say anything <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i i noticed that like at a young age and because mm. you <laughs> noticed that when you were in the, in school in the u.s yeah in the u.s and when, when i was happening. in esl Class. i was like why do chinese kids like in three years they become fluent and like this Korean kid's been here for three years and he still sucks in English. And, and did you and, notice that then that that was maybe the underlying reason? Did you notice like, oh, it's because yeah. they're not afraid to make mistakes as a child? Yeah. Did you recognize that or was it later? No, I knew it then because um, because I saw that then, like in high school. Mm-hmm. And then I, I also saw how because my dad is like that, like where he cares a lot about like mm-hmm. uh, how people perceive him. So he would never, ever, ever say anything. Like mm-hmm. if, if we have to call... Uh, call something he will always tell me to like talk to them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but then my mom wasn't like that mm. my mom like doesn't care she'll just say it wrong blah 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 mm-hmm. and now like my mom speaks like pretty much fluent english and my yeah. dad doesn't speak at all ah. so like i i kind of saw that mm-hmm. at home too so that's why mm-hmm. i knew that how it was happening you know, like yeah that that uh ego and um h- how we that the mask we wear, right? How, mm-hmm. how much we care about how people think of us, those kind of things, mm-hmm. how it affects language. like Yeah, you know. uh, how we feel about it, how what we can express. The mask that we wear out of self-preservation, probably, can really get in the way. Like, it's it's important, it's helpful. Thank you very much, mask, for being there when I needed yeah. you. But sometimes you have to, like, throw it out the window as well, yeah. you know? Especially yeah. when you're learning something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. Like yeah, that humbleness. Yeah, <laughs> to be a beginner, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to like just accept it. And the ego, like you said, the ego really gets in the way. And that, like, exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, I wanted to ask you, thinking about language and culture too, what about 
emotions and intonation. Because if we're all about storytelling and vulnerability and authenticity and these kinds of things, like, that's that's tough. That's rough. And it's rougher for some people than others, depending on how you were raised, right? Um, sometimes gender roles play a part. Sometimes it's culture, too. So I was thinking about, because as far as I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, Korean is a tonal language. So you have you have tone. You have a change in pitch. But that means, like, the difference in vocabulary, right? Or maybe grammar, right? It's, it's, it's related to the language, not how I feel about what I'm saying, right? Mm, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, do you feel like intonation and how, how you show emotion when you speak in Korean, let's say, is different than in English? Like how yeah, you yeah. show that? I, I sound like a totally different person when I speak Korean. <laughs> how do you sound? Yeah. yeah, like I sound completely different in two different languages. Mm -hmm, um, and mm -hmm. also... Um, how that applies, I think, in speaking is like I've been watching this like voice coach like videos. Like he talks about how like how you should speak and like mm. intonation and mm -hmm. all of that stuff like that. And I realized that usually when I talk, I'm very monotonous and mm. kind of like how I'm talking right now. This is mm -hmm. how I normally talk. Mm -hmm. But then when I get really emotional and things like that, I start going like <laughs> like. And then I noticed it in my videos. Yeah. Like I can clearly t see the difference between yeah. when I was just trying to deliver information yeah versus when i was like emotional mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and which which was the better video the one that's emotional mm. always does well mm -hmm. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and the ones where i like just information even yeah. though it's better content better information it doesn't perform mm -hmm. like i really 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 think that most people care way much more about how you say things than what yeah. you say yeah, absolutely. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. A hundred percent. And this is like what I've been focusing on a lot more lately is is intonation and how to connect with people more with your voice and your patterns, you know. Like you said earlier, you said something like, uh, the thing they think it was the thing about sitting at the meeting with the boss. And the way you said it was like bang on. You the when you said, Oh, I'm mocking, I already knew that you were mocking with what you said because of your intonation pattern, right? And sarcasm is so difficult in English, and it has to be subtle, otherwise it's not good. And yeah. jokes, you have to deliver the jokes just right, just right. I work with, um, I work with a lot of actors and, and, and things like that, and I have this one guy, he's, um, he's from Japan, and he told me recently, he said, Bianca, I have made a decision, I want to do stand-up. And I was like, wow, that's huge. Like, I can't even imagine the courage it must take to go from Japanese to English and to go do stand-up and, 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 like, to try to be funny and connect with your audience on all those different levels with, with, like, yeah, you have your body, you know, it's not a podcast, but you also, like, you have to do it with your voice, you know, it's really, really tough. So I'm, I'm like, wow, great, great job. It's going to be such a, such a challenge for him, and I'm really excited. So... When you were when you were saying you're two different people, you feel comfortable in both, right? That's that's how you feel. You feel more expressive, yeah. maybe in English versus in Korean. You feel kind of flat. Do you think that has anything to do with this idea, these power structures that exist? Like you should sound like a white businessman. Yeah, sound... even in Korea, mm -hmm. like when I talk to somebody older, I would sound different than somebody when I'm talking to a friend because right? I would be more expressive with my friend mm -hmm. than when I'm talking to somebody like older or like or like know, a niece or, or a nephew like... yeah yeah, yeah like exactly. like little kids it, like universally 
no matter what your language is, you tend to vary your pitch more when you're talking to children. And so it mu- yeah. yeah, it must be like a reverse kind of hierarchy yeah. where the higher the status, the more like monotone we go, yeah. you know. We and it's so learn. weird because here in, in the US, I don't do that anymore. I think I've gotten to a point mm. where you can be the CEO of the biggest company in the world or the president of the United States, or you can be uh, my doorman or an intern. Mm-hmm. I will talk exactly the same way to all of you, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I've learned to do that. That was, mm. it, it took years of training to get to that mindset. Mm-hmm. And then I go to Korea and then boom, it, it changes. <laughs> <laughs> boom, all of a sudden I'm like, I'm, I'm acting like a different person in front of an older person. Yeah. Just because I was taught to always be more respectful of, of mm-hmm. an older person. Mm-hmm. Even if that person is an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Even if you don't agree with it, you do it anyways, because that's what's expected. Yeah. So culturally, I think in Korea, we're just ingrained to be like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that as soon as somebody speaks, some an older person starts speaking to me in Korea, I always, my mind automatically goes to that mode of like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, 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 that's code switching what we do, like, not just like, your body is now in Korea, the country, right? Geographically, I have to speak like this. But throughout the day, depending on who you're speaking to, you have to switch all of these, all of these things, because you got to go in and out of those codes. And for me, that's really, that's, that's really impressive. Because even like in Spanish or in French, you know, it's already too much for me to deal with like, the formal you and the informal you or to have like gendered nouns like the table is feminine but the car is masculine and the bridge is whatever the bridge is neutral or whatever like it's, it's already a lot for me to to think about those Why things is the bridge neutral no i don't mean the bridge yeah <laughs> actually there's an interesting story about bridges i'm just gonna ask you think of some adjectives think of five adjectives to describe hold on hold on i want you to think in korean think of the word in korean and think of words in Korean, and you don't have to tell me what they are, but just think of those words that describe a bridge, the adjectives you would use. Think of five of them. Okay. Okay, now don't tell me what they are yet. I'm gonna ask you if they're the same. They may or may not be. So in English, now think of the word bridge in English, burn it in your brain in English, and now think of five words in English, adjectives that describe a bridge. And they may or may not be the same. I think they're the same for me. And the reason why I think is Uh. because as soon as you said bridge, Mm -hmm. like I visually picture a bridge. (laughs) What kind? Like, well, because you, you started with Korea. So uh-huh, okay. I immediately thought of a bridge that's in mm-hmm. the Han River, like in, in, in Seoul, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then when you said, it, think of English, I picture that I, it went back there. Ah, interesting. <laughs> like if I had said, picture the Brooklyn Bridge or picture a Golden Gate Bridge, like, do you think there would be a different outcome? Um, no, but no? I like I... I wonder why my mind went there, right? Because like, there's mm. also small bridges too. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I I was thinking of this huge bridge, mm. but but I you know there are small bridges too. And if if I was thinking of a small bridge, mm-hmm. I would probably come up with different words. Mm. And you know, in English, the word bridge also can be a verb, right? True, true. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like in Korean, it's not. <laughs> ah, I didn't know that. So, so it's only going to be like a noun, a thing. Yeah. Uh huh. So uh-huh. If, if I was thinking of that. Or like, for example, 
you know, like in a violin, yeah. there's also a bridge in violin. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's like multiple meanings to that word bridge. Ah, uh, yeah. In you know, English, like in English, true. but in Korea. Yeah. Actually, you know, the Korean word for bridge, yeah. it's tari, also uh -huh. means legs. Oh. So uh -huh. maybe if I was actually talking in Korea, maybe I, right. my mind would have went somewhere it else. I don't be. know. <laughs> yeah. So the reason I'm asking is because they did this famous study across many languages where they said, okay, describe a bridge, right? In German, in French, in Spanish, in Icelandic, right? In all these different languages, they said, think of a bridge. Now write down words to describe the bridge. And they found that if in your language you have gendered nouns, right? And if, and if for you a bridge is feminine, then you would say words like it's elegant, it's beautiful, right? It's all these words that we associate with feminine, femininity, I guess. And if you, in your language, a bridge is masculine, then you would associate, you'd say words like strong and upright and, you know, powerful and things like that. What is it in English? Oh, in English, is, we don't have English? gendered nouns. That's the thing. It's not a he, it's not a she, it's an it, right? So, so that's, I think that's why it came out when I said, oh, and a bridge is neutral, because I think I was thinking of how in English we don't think of, it, it can be strong and it can be elegant, right? Yeah, at the same the, time. There's no gender nouns in Korea either. It's exactly ah, like interesting. Ah. So when you said bridge, like the, now, the adjectives that I thought of was like long, tall. Mm -hmm. Brand mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. interesting <laughs> has nothing to do with gender, right? Ah, like, <laughs> uh -huh. That to me is even more interesting because uh, you know if you if you spoke another language where it was it was you know feminine for you, then yeah. in English and 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 whatever that language is, they might be different adjectives, right? But then you yeah. really suddenly said like, oh yeah, they're probably the same, and maybe it depends yeah, on the yeah, meaning. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. I guess in, in in English you like because you know how they always call boats or cars like. They refer to them as her. Mm -hmm. So I guess there's a little bit of gender nouns there. <laughs> mm. I think, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna push back a little bit. I think that's more about how men like to possess women generally. And they like to, you Not know, really? yeah, I think it's more related to that. If I were to take like a feminist view. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, think about think about nicknames for women. Usually it's about food. Right. Or something really small and diminutive. Right. Things like that. So, yeah, yeah. I think those things have a history that's not related to grammar. That's my opinion, though. Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because yeah, I, 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 I was so I was surprised, like when when I was watching Forrest Gump and they named their boat Jenny and, and then mm. somebody told me that, yeah, like all boats are named female. Mm. I was like, why? Because like when I think of a boat, I think I think of actually more of a male. Mm. <laughs> but like mm -hmm. I don't like or a car. Right. Like usually most people call their car. Uh -huh. by female name but like right. when i think of a car I, I, I like i would give it a male name but, masculine so yeah because it's really an engine that. and yeah maybe yeah. something like that yeah and then my <laughs> feminist goes well that's because men like to own them <laughs> and like probably the man owns the boat or the man owns the car you know but that's just my feminism like popping up there i don't yeah. think um korea in korea is like that like a lot of people think that korea is very male dominated so i guess i guess it kind of is but in Korea, I don't think uh, men think of like women as like oh like that oh I, like I own like your your mind mm, like that type mm -hmm. of thing. You know, like in Korea, the, like women don't change their last name. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like they they keep their last yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Like here, you know how like the wife takes the husband's last name. They yeah. don't do that in Korea. Maybe that means it's more male dominated actually because. Mm. I think the reason why they don't is because it, they're basically saying, no, you're not part of our family. You're not oh. part of our bloodline. <laughs> oh, that's a definitely different way to look at it. 
yeah. I assume they take the father's name, the children, yes? Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. But for, for us, it doesn't matter because my mom and my dad has the same last name. Mm. You know, there's only like a handful of last names in Korea. <laughs> That's why everybody's either Kim or Lee, right? Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. It's just going to concentrate <laughs> anyway, so yeah. not a big deal. <laughs> Yeah. In the future, you can say that's why then. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and and speaking of names, in Korean, if I were to say your name, what would it sound like? Uh, like my Korean name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Lee Sun Woo. So mm-hmm. in Korea, you say the last name first. Right. So my name is Lee. Mm-hmm. So you know how I say my middle name is Woo? Yeah. I, I always make fun of it. I'm like, oh, I hate Woo. I, like I even removed it from my, <laughs> I call myself Sun Yi. Uh-huh. But my full name on the passport is Sun Wu Yi. Ah, mm-hmm. But then in Korea, Yi comes first, so it's mm-hmm. Yi Sun Wu. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in English, I would say Yi Sun Wu, right? Yeah. But if yeah. I was saying in Korean, I would say Yi Sun Wu. Mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. like, you hear the difference? Like Yi Sun, yeah, Yi Sun Wu versus mm-hmm. Yi Sun Wu. Comes I don't out. know. The pronunciation is a little bit different uh-huh. when I say it in English versus Korean. For sure. For sure. I've never studied Korean. Forgive my ignorance. But also from what I know, Korean, the, the the writing of Korean was basically created, the recent script is created to be yeah. easy to read. In terms of the written language? Yeah, yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's like the newest language, newest language to be invented or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think it was done on that, purpose with the idea of we need to make this simple so that our country is more literate. And I yeah, love that's that. That's what I happened. That so like the, they realized that the only way the country can be strong is if everybody was illiterate. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. One of the emperors, like, there's a movie about it. Oh, um, really? Oh. And it's such an interesting movie because I was actually talking to, do you know Marwa? Yeah, I know Marwa from way back, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was actually talking to about about how they were doing it and what they, they had to do was they started with the phonetics of, um, what you know that language that they use for yoga? Mm-hmm. I forget what it's called. But anyway, they started with that, and then they figured they had to figure out every kind of sound you can make, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, and every kind of movement in the tongue yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. All the phonetics, so they broke all the phonetics. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. And it was fascinating the movie. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I'm asking myself, why is it that Korean is not like the world language, right? Because it's so simple for everybody to learn, and yeah. English is so difficult. <laughs> in English, I feel like there's so many different ways to say the like a. Oh, pronounced like yeah. a or a. Uh-huh, or like, uh-huh. You yeah. actually have to know the word, otherwise you don't know how to say it, right? Yeah, exactly. But in Korea, you don't even have to know what it is. As if somebody writes it, you can you say can read it. it. Yeah, you yeah, can read it. You can read it. Yeah. yeah, that's called transparency in a language. Arabic is pretty transparent too. But then, like, you can ask Marwa about this. So in Arabic, if you know what the sound is, right, you can say it even if you don't know what it is. If you're saying, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's how Korean is. But here's the hard thing about Arabic is, unless you're reading a children's book. Or if you're reading the Quran, the, the holy text, they don't write all the vowels. So then you like you have um, three out of like five and almost half of them are missing. So then you have to guess. So it's this mix of like, uh, oh, look how uh, easy this is. Just kidding. Like, keep guessing. I think that's what happened in the Korean language. When they did it, they realized that, OK, we're missing vowels. And then they figure out a different way. So it's probably because it's the most recent language. They mm-hmm. already saw all the mistakes of all the <laughs> other languages. Nice. I think what they actually, they, the thing that they started from is a Sanskrit. 
They started mm. with Sanskrit and mm-hmm. then they developed mm-hmm. it from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to tell me what movie that is because that seems right up my alley. To me, that's yeah, I'll send super it to you. interesting. Yeah. I, I have a feeling that you're going to be fascinated. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <you> <laughs> definitely. I love all that stuff like that kind of thing, um, like typography in terms of like the evolution of typewriters and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. For example, when you were saying just now about the, the letter A in English, actually O is the worst, let's take O. Letter O in English is the worst. It can make like 10 different sounds that yeah. come out, right? Um, think of the single, the opposite of man is what? Woman. Okay, singular, woman, woman, uh, uh-huh. uh. There's letter O and it's going uh. And then what's the plural? Woman, woman. Women, eh, eh, women. Uh-huh. You're like, <laughs> letter O, what are you doing? Yeah, so there's like 10 different things, right? Like- Oscar. Ah, like, ah, oh, almost as in oh. box, right? Exactly. Or hockey, for example. Like yeah. it can be O oh, as in go, for example. It's like it's like the worst because there's like ten different sounds that it can make. I was so confused when I first came here. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. You were saying Oscar and yeah. and woman. That's why Maybe. I think uh, you know in Korea when you learn the language, they start with the writing first. Mm. But I noticed that here what they do is they start with the just saying, saying the word apple first before mm. they actually teach you how to write it. Mm. You, you you start with the speaking first and then uh-huh. you go a, A-P-P-L-E. Like yeah. in Korea, they do the opposite. They teach you all the written ones first. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Even at home, like with small children? Do you, do you teach children to write at home or do you wait till they go to oh, school actually, no. and then they learn? I guess at home, you already learned those words. Uh-huh. So by uh-huh. the time you go to school, you're, that's why you're starting with uh, it. But even in school, when you have new words, you're writing them first. Because you yeah, can already say, yeah. if you can write them, you can say them, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, we're, we'll start like a campaign of... It's fascinating. <laughs> so fascinating when you start digging into how like different cultures learn different things. Yeah, like we had, we always had spelling tests, you know, as kids because, yeah, we had to know how to spell it. And now if you talk to an adult, usually they don't know how they know it, but they just internalized it for so long. So they have that's a hard true. time teaching somebody else. <laughs> like, oh, it just is. Uh, that's just I the way it is. It. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's how, terrible. That's, that's the way it is. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. Sometimes I can offer help. I'm like, look, 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 there's a pattern here. It's great. Look, there's a pattern. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> I'm really sorry. <laughs> yeah. I think that's kind of a, a teacher's job is like, I guess, as a teacher, we have to understand like, how to put ourselves in that position like because mm. oh, a lot of times like i do that too i just dismiss things that <laughs> yeah. or you don't realize like oh for them it's a big deal right yeah yeah yeah, for, yeah. Exactly. and and i think it comes back to the idea of like validating and saying like i'm sorry it sucks <laughs> the only time letter o is gonna sound like it as far as i know is the word women you're just gonna have to remember. I'm really sorry. <laughs> you know, like, well, I didn't even realize that until you just told told me. Actually, so <laughs> even though you, even though you've been here for years, you've been there for yeah. years, and like yeah. yeah, you've internalized it, right? Yeah. You just you're like, yeah, I just know that I know. You know, I don't know how I know, but I yeah. just know that I know. I think a lot of for me, anyways, is like, yeah, going back to being a beginner, right, and being like, how do they see this? Where are they coming from? You know, like like if you're coming from Korean. As an adult, never having studied English, you look at some of these words and you're like, are these people insane? Like, who decided to write this like this? Why is that okay? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, like, when I first came here, uh, the movie, like, the, the Pee Wee Herman was popular. Oh, yeah. And in school, like, everybody used to say, I know you are, but what am I? And, like, everybody kept saying, I know you are, but what am I? And I thought that it was, like, I mm-hmm. and then N-O. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. And then you are, right? So uh-huh. I thought they were saying that, like, 
like I not know. me you yeah. right uh, i thought that's what they were saying uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> i know you are <laughs> yeah, but what exactly. am i <laughs> yeah that must have been really difficult for them so, that phrase confused me so much i'm like mm-hmm. what <laughs> <laughs> How does that make sense? Yeah, but but you also probably as a child, you just, you thought you knew what it was. You accepted it. Yeah, that's just And then later thought, you're like, yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As an adult, it's like, oh, that's what it was? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yes. All the time it happens to me, I'll, I'll tell somebody some, just some like, oh, it's, no, no, it's not this, it's this. And they're like, are you serious? I've been saying it wrong this whole time. <laughs> like, and they just never, they just didn't know. How are you supposed to know? You know? Yeah. But yeah, those like, those moments of like, ah, aha. You know, I feel like, I feel like those are the best moments when you can, when you really yeah. help somebody. Yeah, yeah, like also, um, you know, I've been hearing the word like uh, somatic therapy for a long time, right? Ever mm. since I started <laughs> getting into this like spiritual world and then mm-hmm. um but i didn't know what som- somatic means right mm-hmm. i thought it, it meant something like pain or something like that and then like a few months ago i looked up the word somatic and uh-huh. and i was like oh that that makes sense okay, i do t- that so much like there's words that i don't know uh-huh. but i just guess what it means yeah in context yeah that's me in spanish that's that's most of my life in spanish i'm like yeah I get enough. I get enough. I like, I might not yeah. be able to get like the chocolate ice cream, but I can get the ice cream. Like I can get some ice yeah. cream, but then I can muddle my way through a lot of, of my life here. And like 80% is way more than I need. Right. I'd be happy yeah. with 40% most of the time. You can get around <laughs> with, with knowing very little. Yeah. I, I realized. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I was having this conversation the other day with somebody about like, can you get by with a thousand words in a language or 2000, right? And like, maybe it depends on the language, and, but also it depends on what the words are, right? If you have these high frequency words like go and want and need and good, you're doing all right. Yeah, right? I think you can. I, I think you definitely can. Mm-hmm, a thousand mm-hmm. words. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But some people don't think, well, they think that they, the words they need are those academic words, right? They think they need, they, they need the word proliferate and they need the word um, yeah. subjugation. Don't but there's spend a difference between getting by and like, like being able to get a job in that language. Mm. Like, for example, my, like now I'm the opposite. Mm-hmm. Like Korean, I suck in Korean. Mm-hmm. And like, if you were to say, yeah, I can go live in Korea. But if you were to say, can I get a job working in a marketing agency in Korean? Mm-hmm. I probably, I would probably suck, right? Mm-hmm. Like, as a, let's say, uh, can you, can you do sales mm-hmm. in, in an agency in Korea? No, mm-hmm. I can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I don't know the business language. I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're stuck in your like eight-year-old boy body or yeah, the eight-year-old yeah, yeah. mind. Yeah, <laughs> I talk like a, like I literally talk like a ten-year-old. Yeah, exactly. When I when I went to France and I when I, when I learned French, I was a teenager, and now even now when I speak French, I think I sound I must sound like like angsty, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that because I just don't I don't have adult vocabulary. So yeah. at least now in Spanish, I'm gonna sound like an adult someday. When I talk like like pe- people people like, oh, so cute. <laughs> <laughs> No, don't say that. That's very, that's very interesting because it reminds me of the thing we were talking about before about um, intonation and like how how you how you're perceived. Even if it's just in their minds, like we're just constantly being judged. Even if we yeah. just think it, right? We're just we feel like we're constantly yeah, yeah, yeah. being judged. But then somebody says it to you out loud, and you're like, okay, if one person says it, <laughs> there's gonna be like 15 more that didn't say that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm used to like I guess. Uh... I guess I, I've had good training to like of always being underestimated. Mm. So I actually love being the underdog. 
Mm-hmm. Like I mm-hmm. love being underestimated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like right now, like when I like I like what happened is now I started Twitter, right? And mm. I'm basically starting Twitter all from all from scratch, right? Mm. I'm trying to build up Twitter. Like Instagram, I feel like I've kind of built up my reputation to a certain point. Yeah, that people don't look at me as an underdog anymore, right? Mm. Like they, you know, like mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. way like once you once you grow your kind of uh, brand or your followers and your community, yeah, like the way people talk to you, even strangers, mm-hmm. the way they talk to you is totally different. Mm. Than, like. If I had a, you know, if if I had like a hundred followers and I I was nobody, like the the way they would talk to me, even though I'm the exact same person, right. the exact same content, uh-huh. the way they talk to me is going to be totally different than if I had a million followers and I was the CEO of this company. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Then even though I have the exact same content, right, they're right. going to talk to me totally different, right? Yeah. Everybody is underestimating me on Twitter. Everybody's uh-huh. kind of like ignoring me and things like that. And I love that. I love being underestimated because I love proving people wrong. Mm. So how do you feel on Instagram then when you're on the top, let's say? You're on top on Instagram. People talk to you differently now. How does that make you feel? I guess, I don't know. I guess after a while, you just get used to it. Like mm-hmm. there, there was definitely like a shift in my life when I started making money where people started treating me differently. Mm. And and right away it was a little bit weird, right? Like, uh, but then after a while, I guess maybe I got used to it. Maybe I'm, mm-hmm. I got, mm-hmm. maybe I'm, I'm, I'm soft now. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe. But I, I don't know. I think I'm generally like, I try to, I try to treat everybody and like look at everybody like the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. I said, like no matter, no matter where I go or who I'm talking to, mm. I, I try to treat people the exact same way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think I'm, for the most part, I think I'm pretty good at like keeping myself grounded and like not letting it get to my head and things like that. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. <laughs> I try not to, um, yeah, I try not to think about that stuff too much. Yeah, like when yeah. people underestimate me and stuff like that, uh-huh. instead of like trying to prove myself, like, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I try not to like get litigated in my skin. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I think I like maybe being underestimated. If we're talking about language, right? Like in Spanish, for example, sometimes I start out by saying, sorry, my Spanish isn't so good. Like before anything, I'll just put that out there to kind of lower the expectations so they don't like get confused from the beginning. So I'll put that out there. And then some people will be like, oh no, your Spanish is great, you know? And of course it makes me feel good. But if I, and, and then sometimes here's the other problem. I'll say something like really well, cause it's the same thing I'll say every day, right? Good day, how are you, blah, blah, blah. Like there's some stock phrases that I'm pretty good at now, but that's a problem because when I do it really well, then their response oh. is like, Brrr. and I'm like, yeah, no, that's it. <laughs> that's the best I got, sorry. <laughs> So you have like that, you set the bar too high, then that's no good either. So sometimes I'll make mistakes on purpose, right? Even though I know. So to like, you know, let people at least speak a little more clearly or at least be more patient with me, you know? (laughs) I I, I guess that's the same reason why I like being underestimated because Mm. like, it's just like a lot of times when I work with clients, um, we put like so much thought into this design that mm. that the client hasn't even thought of 
their team hasn't thought of even their customers haven't even thought of it like we like literally take 100 steps ahead like mm -hmm. every down to every little detail and when we deliver it like every other designers underestimated they're like oh yeah that looks good okay mm -hmm. they don't understand how much thought and hours have gone into that right and our, cl our clients are like oh that's good okay good great mm -hmm. right but the reason why i love that is because usually like about a year later yeah the client comes back to us mm -hmm. and to to make a change or something like that yeah. and now they cannot go anywhere else because a year later or two years later they'll come back and be like son i didn't realize it at the time yeah but like so many of our customers come and tell me about this thing, this thing, this thing, this, like you've thought of everything <laughs> that I haven't even thought of. And that's why they can't go anywhere now. Mm -hmm. And I love hearing that. And that wouldn't have happened if they didn't underestimate me, right? Exactly. Yeah. You spoiled them before they even yeah. knew it. You kind of spoiled them, but they couldn't appreciate it because they didn't know what they don't know. And yeah, 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 exactly. Uh -huh. In That's the beginning, true. I try to like prove it to them. I'm like, oh, you, yeah. you don't get it. Like, mm. and then I, I stopped because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, they're never going to get it until uh -huh. they experience it. Like, yeah, you have to, you have to come to that on your own. And that, that made yeah. me think of, I just noticed the time we're like, really like, well, we've been talking for a while, but, um, <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to connect that back again to storytelling. The idea of like the simplicity, like every time you revise, right whatever it is, a web page, whatever, whatever it is, content, right? Even your own stories in your own head. It's not the writing, it's the revision. That's the work and to simplify it and to get to like that nugget that is just like, just right. And maybe if you're saying it out loud, maybe it's the rhythm and that word doesn't work because it's too long and it doesn't like, doesn't sound well. And I feel like that's the same thing you're doing visually is what yeah. we're trying to do like with our storytelling. It's that's harder to trying. make it simple. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just like the writing right it's harder yeah. to make it shorter it's harder to make it simpler so when you do something simple people look at it and they're like oh that's probably easy to do mm -hmm. like okay mm -hmm. you try it <laughs> 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 yeah less is more but only if yeah. the less is actually more you know it's like yeah, 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 yeah obviously yeah. you can make it simple and it'll still suck yeah but, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i think know. there's a difference between simple and easy you know what i mean yeah, yeah. Yeah, simple because... yet it has all the essence, right? It uh -huh. has all the information, uh -huh. but you just simplified it. You've distilled like, it to its essence. Yeah. Uh -huh. But if uh -huh. you actually made it simple and you lost some some of that, that means you didn't. Yeah, then you didn't not, simplify. You, you just right like part. chopped it up in a way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Easy, easy is easy, but simple is hard. To me, that's the difference between something being difficult versus complex. Like, and yeah. that's one of the reasons I appreciate the group is that it's not it's not complex but it is difficult. It's difficult yeah. to show up. It's difficult to like talk about uncomfortable things. It's not complex to do the work, but sometimes it's difficult to put aside the yeah. time. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Revise, revise, revise. Same with language, right? So like, like speaking in a plain way, speaking out loud in a plain and clear way, it doesn't mean it's, it doesn't mean it's easy, but it's not necessarily complex. You know, you can break it down is what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's too. why I think the, 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 like the greatest quotes are like short and simple, mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it's like so deep. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Do you have a favorite quote? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have so many, right? Like I, ah. th th it's just like, I, I, what did I just use today? Um, oh, today I think I did, uh, 
uh, that Epictetus quote that says like, it's impossible for a man to learn something that he already thinks he knows or something like that. Ooh, oh, <laughs> nice. And then sometimes when you get it wrong, you're like, wait, 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 this is how it goes. Because <laughs> it, it uh, only yeah. works because it's been simplified. It only works in that way, right? Because yeah, you yeah. change so one once thing. Once you start adding, like once you yeah. try to re reiterate it, like you just butcher mm -hmm. it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like the design thing. You're like, oh, it's simple. It's nice. But what if you do this? And no, don't change it. Don't add that little thing. Sometimes you have to like, you know, kill it and then remake yeah. it sometimes as well. I wanted to go back to one more thing because you mentioned it and I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about it if you're willing. And then we'll and then we'll tell people how to like join Night Alice and stuff too. But would you be willing to talk a little bit more about your spiritual journey? I don't really have a I didn't I don't think I really had a spiritual journey, but you know, I grew up Christian mm -hmm. all my life. Mm -hmm. like my my mom is like uh she's like the choir director my you know my dad's an elder and all of that mm. but when you grow up christian you're actually not really spiritual mm. it's, it's just like ah uh, my mom's making me go to the church right so as soon as i turn 18 i stop going to church mm. and i consider myself an atheist mm -hmm. like i don't say i'm an atheist yeah because usually when people call themselves atheists i feel like atheism is also a religion mm, mm -hmm, <laughs> so, mm -hmm. <laughs> but i guess you know like i, I started w once i like met gabby and mm. then i started doing yoga and yeah. all of those things yeah um i did start like learning about more of those those mm. spiritual mm -hmm. concepts but the way i guess the way i think of it is like to me like religion spirituality those things are just the things that science cannot explain. Mm, yep. Like, I'm, I'm very like scientific science mm -hmm. focused person. I would say those things are things that science can't explain dot, dot, dot yet. Right. Like yeah, we, yeah, used to, yeah, exactly. we used to think so many things were magic yeah. and now, and now we can, you know, we have all this yeah. science. And so I think, I think I agree with you, but I would add that to it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, everything that we know through science at some point we didn't know. So right. yeah. <laughs> obviously like exactly. at some point we're gonna, you know, we're gonna learn all of that, those things, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. yeah, that's kind of, and, and I think th those are like just wisdoms that are carried from like somehow like mm. people a thousand years ago, certain things that still applies today, mm -hmm. which I still can't explain today. Mm -hmm. right? <laughs> so mm -hmm. there's some wisdom to that, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of how I think think of it. Like I, mm. I don't I don't dismiss spirituality. Yeah. Like for example, um, you know when when they when people start talking about energy and things like that, I get really annoyed because like to me when you say energy, like I'm I'm thinking calorie or right. what voltage or what you know what uh -huh, I mean. Uh -huh, like, uh -huh. I get really annoyed, but yeah, you know like for example when they say like uh when when you're um when you're in a room and then like. And people like a lot of them use the word vibration, like, yeah, the, yeah. like that there's like we're in the same vibration or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I also heard of this scientific study where they measure the brain waves of everybody, like in a comedy club. Mm -hmm. And when the comedian made a joke and everybody kind of laughed at the same time, like they they noticed that all of their brain waves like matched exactly at that oh. moment. Wow. So obviously there's something happening there mm -hmm. <laughs> where they're like, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're in sync or something like yeah. that. Right? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I mean, you, you want to call that like your, your, it's your energy that's, mm -hmm. you know, in the room or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. you know, people might say that, like when you go into a room, it's like, oh, I feel this energy here. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, 
it's, yeah, it's not the same energy that I'm thinking. Like, yeah, we <laughs> don't have the words to describe. I, we use this word energy because because there's a hole in in how we can't even describe it sometimes. So we yeah, don't even no have word a word. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah. m- maybe it's our our knowledge is missing, but also we can't we can't describe it. You know, yeah. so how can we how can we think about it or talk about it more with these yeah. words that are lacking? You know, yeah. yeah, so yeah, I feel yeah. Like it's going to still be a mystery until we find better ways to talk about these things. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think what what the problem is like in every industry, just like marketing, you know, there's always bad actors, right? There's always people that are like, you know, taking that and like using it so loosely mm-hmm. <laughs> that that stops making sense, right? Yeah. Things yeah. like that, and I think, I think that's like what I'm, what I don't like mm-hmm. that when people use this spirituality mm-hmm. to like you know like scam people or like brainwash mm-hmm. people into a cult or something like that mm-hmm. to cover all the other sins <laughs> there's a lot of marketing cults <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly when i was in university um my undergraduate degree is in anthropology biological anthropology and there was this joke in in anthropology of like how to define how do you define a religion right how do you define a religion well cult plus time equals religion. <laughs> so I feel like give, so give it enough time. Scientology yeah. is going to be like a legit religion one day. Right? Uh, yeah. According to them, it already is for sure. But like, but yeah, you just like you start with these wacky ideas and you get a few followers like marketing yeah. or whatever, whatever industry yeah. you want to say. And then and then, yeah, and then they start making up their own like rules and sins yeah. and and, you know, what you're what you're supposed to do to be good versus evil. It creates this whole like world where you kind of got like religion and marketing, I'm sure religion and yeah. business. You get your own language, right? You get, yeah. your, own, you get your own commandments pretty much in all <laughs> these places. That's that's <laughs> actually one thing that I'm very aware of and that I'm trying to make sure that at night out. Mm. I want to make sure that everybody has different opinions, that mm. difference, like, I want to make sure that we have all different opinions within mm. Night Out, not, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because I think it, gets, it starts to get dangerous when everybody thinks the same. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you have a cult, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh-huh. And nobody can get out. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a problem. Oh, God. Yeah. Actually, there's this great book. You would probably like it. Um, it's, a, it's called Cultish. I don't know if you know it. It's called Cultish. And it's by this woman named Amanda Montel. And she really talks about the language that cults use to kind of keep people feeling like they're trapped. It's super Mm. interesting. Yeah, you'll really have to read it. It's really, really good. But, oh, not speaking of cults, completely unrelated to cults, tell us more about Night Owls and how people can join. (laughs) (laughs) Not a cult. It's on my website, Mm sunyi.co, S-U-N-Y-I. Isn't it sun.yi? Oh, that's my Instagram. So my my Instagram is sun.e so s-u-n dot y-i mm-hmm. actually like if you go to instagram all the information you can find in there okay um yeah it's five dollars a month mm-hmm. i mean it's not, not like the you. yeah it's not the money it's the it's it's that it's accountability you know and it's yeah. i end up feeling guilty when i when i join groups that are like you know 100 bucks a month and then yeah. and i never show up right money i always do that mm-hmm. when you buy a book it's not the 20 dollars that you're paying is what's costing you it's the 40 hours that you're going to spend reading that book <laughs> is what you're, that's the real price that you're paying. Right? Uh, yeah. So, okay. T- spin that around. What's the real price that people are paying when they join Night Owls, in your opinion? I think it's the, exactly what you said, right? The, mm. Like showing up in the small group because, mm. because we are so low price. I think that that is one of the reasons why we, everybody's so 
like supportive and like everybody's volunteering to lead small groups everybody you know what i mean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah i mean that's like something it was unexpected for me i was like wow like mm-hmm. everybody's so, I, like everybody's so like helpful and and i was like wow it's amazing mm. yeah and what's what's your favorite thing what do you love about about the groups about the small groups yeah or... well about night owls in general like what do you love yeah about i think it? that's that's exactly it like the other day i was talking about how i was in egypt mm-hmm. and um a lot of the people that i met like they can't afford to pay like a thousand dollar course like that to them is like three months salary right mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. i i told them like you know even five dollars is you know is is like a significant investment for them right to mm-hmm. them it's like 150 dollars a month or 200 dollars yeah. a month yeah, like, exactly. mm-hmm. and and when i said that somebody um dm me and it's like oh, like uh, that was like so heartbreaking like, like let me know if there's any way i can like sponsor these people or something like that oh, yeah. and then i posted that and then people started dming me and saying oh i'm a designer i would love to volunteer my time for like mm-hmm. i'm like that doesn't usually happen like when you sign up for most like marketing communities or marketing courses that does not happen mm-hmm. everybody's like me 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 right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So i think that selfless part of the community is what i love the most yeah yeah you start you start with a place of giving rather than receiving yeah but then you end up receiving exactly. you know so much yeah. more yeah exactly. exactly yeah so i don't feel like when i go to when i'm in night out i don't feel like people are trying to take advantage of each other or anything like that uh, i just feel yeah. like people are genuinely there to like really be supportive and yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah that's what i love about it too and that's my groups are kind of similar in that they're they're really mm-hmm. low priced so that they're accessible for people who probably need my services yeah. the most and it's all about the community and the communal learning it's what i enjoy doing i guess mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. i'm not really thinking about the numbers or the growth or anything like that right now so mm-hmm. i mean i'm sure at some point i will yeah but right now i'm not <laughs> it's about the service yeah. right it's the service that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. you're 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 creating a, a place for these people to meet, you know, and I think that's the yeah. most beautiful thing. Yeah, because like, yeah, I think you attract the kind of people that that you kind of, I don't want to say deserve. It's like, maybe that's a bit, a bit odd, but I feel like what you put out is what you get back and you're putting out a lot. So you're getting back, I think exactly mm-hmm. what you need. I actually think you're right. Everybody attracts people that are like them, mm-hmm. whether you whether you know it or not. Yeah, whether it's you're conscious You're always going to end up attracting uh-huh. people that are like you, right? Uh-huh. Like, yeah. So if you're an asshole, you're going to attract assholes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> exactly. if, you're, if you're kind, you're going to attract kind people. And, if, you know, mm-hmm. if you're selfless, you're going to attract selfless people. I think that's, yeah. that's how it yeah. goes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think part of it is that you did this thing and you are who you are. And that's part of the reason that everybody has, like, your light has kind of shined yeah. or shone on everybody. I think that's why it's so important for you to show up truly as who you are mm. instead of trying to be somebody else. And that's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's a lot of mistakes that a lot of people make. Yeah. They try to be Gary Vee. We've been told that that's what we should be and that's what we should want. And that's how power looks like. And, you know, like, yeah, like, yeah it's it's a lot of undoing. Like when you said, I think, I think you mentioned... Um, going back to Korea or coming to the U.S., you had to undo all that learning, right? And that's a lot to ask people to do is like say, you know what? No, actually, everybody else is wrong. (laughs) You know, that's asking a lot from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we'll attract more members. And yeah, for me, I love talking about like language and, and you're a good person, I think, to talk to because you really reflect on what those what those things mean and how they integrate, too, with like with being who you are because it you know like you said who we are in different languages is different and that's great because a lot of people say oh when i speak this other language i don't feel like myself 
but it's also like dot 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 yet like you have to find yourself oh you that's know? true yeah once i moved here i guess that was the starting point of me creating this new persona persona right like mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah and, and luckily in korea like you're it's a culture where you're already expected to be different people for different people right you're yeah, expected yeah, yeah. to change but in some cultures no you're supposed to always be this person for everybody mm. you meet depending on where you're coming from you know, that can be more yeah, challenging too. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I think we could have like more conversations <laughs> and talk about more stuff. Yeah, but for we'll now, <laughs> we'll yes, we'll do it again. We'll talk about lots of fun stuff. But thank yeah. you so much for coming today. And I'm really happy that you could share your wisdom with everybody else. Thank you for having me. Thank Yay. you so much. Thank you. Thank bye, you. Everyone. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. Bye. Cheers.